Everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Coming to you as usual from South Florida, and we will talk about several things tonight, including the World Series of Poker online and live event. They call it the hybrid event, and this basically kind of just replaces the one that they played this summer, but it involves both American and European players. So we'll look forward to following that. They actually got started yesterday on the European end. They have three day one a day ones on the european side only one day one on the u.s side and that's not even going to happen for about another two weeks or so but they played one day yesterday uh 622 players or i'm sorry 624 is it and down to to 246 246 you're right 62 uh, came on. Good thing we did a we did a rehearsal on this program. Uh, Two hundred and forty six unique entries uh, on GG Poker, and they played down to sixty two. So we have a chip leader. It's uh, Julian Menhart uh, with five hundred thirty four thousand chips, and uh, second is Paul Esau of Germany. Dirk Gerritsen of Netherlands is currently third. So the top 10 all have at least 386,000 chips. There's not a big uh, stretch uh, between any of the 10, but we do have a leader and they will come back on December 5th and play day one B, which is uh, pretty bizarre. I'm not sure uh, how they come up with, came up with this schedule, but they're playing one day. Then they wait a week and then they play two days back to back one B and one C and then they'll come back another week later uh, with a final table to determine a champion. The U.S., meanwhile, does not start until December th- 13th. They'll play the 13th, and then they'll play down to whatever, and then play on the 14th and uh, finish up with their final nine. And then we skip all the way to December 28th to play the two final tables at the Rio in Las Vegas. So there is... Uh, an online version of this tournament, and then as they play down, only have to have 18 players travel to Las Vegas to play there. You got all now, that, Joe? Yeah, I got I got all of that, brother. And uh, let me ask you, does it state there? Because uh, I don't remember what the starting chip stack was for each player. My um, guess is thirty thousand. Does that sound well, right? Well, that used to be the number, but I believe they went up to fifty last year. Yeah, they might have. So, well, let's call it 50 then. <laughs> it doesn't say online there, huh? Well, it does say All total right. chips. Uh, 14 no, I'm saying million, for the starting stacks. So, well, we'll see. I'll have to. I'll have, that takes research on my part, and I don't have no that. No problem, brother. Yet. We can wait. We can wait on that. Uh, maybe come back later with that. But, um, you know, it is. You called it a hybrid uh, main event, and, you know. <laughs> Well, that's what the press it definitely is, is with the uh, with the, the days two and three are about a week apart. So, uh, you know, a week from day one, that's strange as can be. There is an article out on uh, this that kind of will give people a little insight of what they've had to go through to put this together. Uh, they talk about five problems that the WSP, WSOP had to solve. 
Uh, Which were? Well, one of them is travel, of course, uh, traveling to the Czech Republic for the European players. They are actually going to play their final table in the Czech Republic. So they play online, come down to nine, travel to the Czech Republic. Uh, the other thing they had to solve was what if the international winner is under 21 because they can play under 21. However, that's going to cause a problem if the player wins that final table of playing in Las Vegas because 21 is the age which you have to be to play in Las Vegas. So uh, European events have always been uh, 18 and up. In fact, uh, if you remember back in 2007, Annette Oberstad was just 19 years old when she won the European main event. Yeah, so well, they'll, they'll but have to solve that. Issues that they th- I mean, I can't believe well, these people could not have thought about this yeah. and that becoming a possibility. I mean, it's being mentioned now, so somehow they had to have addressed this issue. Well, they have a plan, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> doesn't does it seem like it. <laughs> they're not, they're what not, happens, not saying I, that's the, the first question is, First of all, how are they going to travel there if there are still pandemic restrictions? Right. That's number one. Number two, which is to me is, is 1A, how do you let people under the age of 21 play if, if, you know, if they get to the final table, they, they can't play in Vegas? Well, what how about this? If, if they're 19, if the person turns out to be 19 years old, you just play down to the head-to-head tournament, and then you wait two years. <laughs> I'm sure that that would be wonderful for the person who's 19, but you know, hey, I, I really because you're explaining something to me now that these are not to yeah. say to well, overcome five obstacles. Overcoming five obstacles is saying you know something about the, the their internet service, the uh, servers. You know, the, these are these are these are really big obstacles that, that you have to overcome. And that you should have addressed prior to the start of people putting ponying up ten thousand dollars. Well, this is true, but uh, you know, obviously, uh, they want to take a shot at this, and uh, I don't think they're going to let anything stop them. All right. Well. Okay. So that's the uh, that's the other one. There's other things they need to deal with uh, for the players that are traveling to uh, Rosvedov to play in the final table. Uh, they'll be subject to special COVID nineteen testing. And they haven't really published the rules for that, but uh, they say the players have to agree to abide by these rules. They'll undergo a health screening. And what if a player tests positive for COVID-19? Well, they say they also have steps to handle that, but they announced that any player who tests positive prior to the start of any live final table play will be disqualified. How about that? Well, listen... You know, at least, uh, and when is the when are they supposed to get to the final table on both sides? Well, on the on the European side, it's December fifteenth. On the U.S. side, it's December twenty eighth. So, fifteenth. Today's the thirtieth. Like tomorrow we start on the first, so we're talking two weeks from tomorrow. Right. Is when they start in the European side. Correct? Is that right. if I heard you correctly, there, well, Dave? Well, they started yesterday, uh, and then they'll play again on December 5th and December 6th. Yeah, but the final is the 15th, you, told, correct. you just that mentioned, correct. right? That is so correct. So now if you've got COVID, I, I can understand for the players, you know, uh, five and six, you, you know, test yourself before then, make sure you don't have it, make sure you don't go anywhere with anybody, uh, you know. Um, I don't know how they do that with the people, the 246 or the 62 that are still alive today, if one of them happens to get to the final table. Um, wow, these are 
very interesting uh, restrictions that they have there, uh, Dave. I hope they I hope they address <laughs> some of these things in their website and for the people before they you know uh, enter the tournament and put up the ten thousand dollars. Well, all I can say is if it completely blows up in their face, I think there will be a lot of people out there that will be happy about that. No, I mean this is supposed to. To me, it's uh, you know. Uh, I thought this was a great thing that they were going to do. Also, another thing that we discussed uh, prior to going on the air is uh, in, in Europe, they're allowed to enter each day one, three day ones that they're going to have over there. If you get knocked out, you you could take shoot three bullets at this. I didn't think they were going to do that. Why aren't they worried yeah. about something like that with the $5,000 one that they were talking about and stuff like that? Yeah, but they, they want to go forward, and they're, they're feeling, I guess they're feeling if they can't restrict it, then they might as well just let them play whenever they want. All righty, well. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's crazy. I don't we care. Probably... I just wouldn't have called this the main event of the World Series exactly. of Poker. I think, a it, lot of that's, it, I think that's the problem a lot of people have. They just feel like we already had a main event this summer on GG Poker, uh, uh, uh Soyan Madanjev was the winner, and he was—he's now had his uh, title cheapened by them adding this event, and I think that's what a lot of people are complaining about. I, listen, I, I don't have a problem with them saying that it's been cheapened because I don't think it has been cheapened. It just wasn't a main event for five thousand dollars. The main event's been ten. Now right. this is being cheapened, in my opinion, because the main event is one entry—the stuff that everybody loves. You got one bullet, baby. You better use it right, you know. And uh, now you're telling me they're allowed three entries. The U.S. is only going to have one day one, from if if I remember <laughs> everything from uh, you know from the rules. So the American players are not going to have the same opportunities right. as the European players. No, so how true. is that an equal, you know? An apple, like they say, when you compare things, don't compare apples to oranges. You know how how does this compare to that? Well. They're going to try to get through it, I guess, uh, you know, question marks be damned, but we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. There's one other major problem, and that is the play, the German players might have a problem with a $10,000 buy-in because there was new legislation back in October that capped uh, the deposits at 1,000 euros per month. So they have to really plan for this ahead of time if they want to get the money into their account. Um, there, of course, is satellites that they could go that route to get into it, but uh, you know, this is another may, could be a major well, there's problem. No, there's no planning because this thing was, you know, just thought about what within yeah. the last month or so. Yeah, I just slapped together. And a I don't think weeks it was ago. thought up very well. If uh, if they're you know worried about all these damn restrictions, it almost looks like a money grab. To be honest with you, yeah, uh, you know, and and for me, it would you know that to me right there cheapens it. You're just mentioning the Germans. There's no way that any any poker player who you know finds out a month ago and says, "Oh, I'd love to play that," is in Germany. Well, their financial restrictions, uh, their laws don't allow them to put that amount of money in there. So somebody would have to transfer that kind of money from somewhere else into their accounts. I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, we'll see what happens on that. Again. Uh... So far, it hasn't been much of a problem. But maybe part of that is why they only had 246 players on the opening day. Uh, yeah, let me tell you something. That I, I can almost guarantee that's part of the uh, issues there. I mean, you know, if you, if you test positive, you know, this 
Put it this way, David, these last five minutes or so, you've made me lose a whole lot of interest. In <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's add one other caveat to it. I think Jamie Gold's record is safe. Yeah, I, I will. I mean, this is just, you know, this this looks like, uh, you know, three people got together and said, let's put this, this, this thing together and... Uh, See how many how many people can put up ten thousand dollars. This this is this is terrible in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I don't know what to say except that uh, they have started and they will play again next week. Maybe that's why they created a, a week in between day one A and one B so that they could iron on any problems that they had. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, the live part of it. Uh, a lot of people are finding a lot of fault with that, saying, you know, we shouldn't be doing this now at this point. Uh, you have an online tournament, and then why change it to the final table, except that they think that's very important for their brand? Well, listen, very important for their brand. I think they've cheapened their brand. I mean, I listen, yeah. to, you know, you hear WSOP, you're excited as hell. That's a, every poker player's dream is to have a bracelet. And forget about having a main event bracelet. That's you know that, that's a bucket list bracelet right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I understand that they want to put it on. And, you know, the, the, it's a business, it's a company. But holy cow, from what I'm understanding from you on these things, uh, it's ridiculous to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Well, there were some big names that did enter in the European side, including Fader Holtz. He was eliminated, though. Also, the former Super High Roller Bowl champion Rainer Kempe uh, was knocked out. Dinesh uh, Alt was also eliminated, and Christian Rudolph. So there's some of the names here. I don't recognize any of the names of the top uh, players that moved on. I do know that uh, Daniel Devoris. Uh, has moved on and has a chip count, Anatoly Filatov and uh, Bruno Batillon. So uh, there's a few people out there uh, that the uh, hardcore poker fans will recognize, and we'll see what happens as they move on. But uh, just starting, we'll keep you updated next week on uh, where we stand. I also want to talk about the a little bit about the Polk-Negranu match, which has moved along. We'll get to some numbers from that. Also, uh, here in the United States, uh, there's a big move now to get back to some of the major, major tournaments that we've been out with without for nine months. Uh, we know that we've talked about the Fun in the Sun tournament at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood is slated to go the week after Christmas, uh, December 26th through the 31st. But there's also now the announcement uh, that just came out today that uh, the WPT is going to have the uh, Lucky Hearts Poker Open, and they have the dates for that. That's getting underway in January, January 14th through the 26th. Uh, the main event starts on the 22nd, 23rd of January, and will conclude with their day four on January 26th. So that tournament returning as a live tournament. We'll see what happens there. We also have the... Uh, uh, West Palm Beach Kennel Club, the Palm Beach Kennel Club, getting back into tournament poker by associating themselves with the uh, card player poker tour. They are set to have an event that starts on January 1st. I know I'm throwing a lot of dates out here, but it looks very similar to the circuit events that they held for many years. Come in the, the format, there's uh, eight tournaments ranging from $125 buy-in up to $350. Uh, 
the main event is a $25,000 guarantee for $350 buy-in. Starts on January the 8th. There also will be a uh, PLO 8. There will be a horse tournament. And there will be a six max along the way. So that's January 1st through the through the 10th. Uh, the 8th is the last is the uh, first starting day, but they will play and finish up on the 10th. So uh, a lot of comments from um, in the story, which you, you can find on Card Player Magazine, obviously, uh, from uh, Noah Carbone, our good friend, card room director there at PBKC. And he says, we're thriving here. We're alive and well. If someone's looking for a safe and friendly place to play poker, what better than to spend some of the winter here in South Florida? So uh, give him some credit for that. Yes. He's got a lot of credit for me. <laughs> that is great to say. And we are running rooms like that down here. So it's nice that they're back in that. They, you know, far. you and I got to enjoy playing in a tournament up there. You went up there more than I did, Big Dave. Yeah. So, um, you know, but... I love the way they ran that uh, horse tournament that you and I both entered uh, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, I don't know who their tournament director is anymore up there. Do you well, I think I, I, I believe Will is still there. <clears throat> oh, okay. Will is up there. All right. Well, yeah. He's been doing it for a long time. So Yeah, last I heard. And they will start their tournaments at 12.15 each day. They, so the, all the tournaments will start at that time, twelve fifteen. Correct, and there will all be right. daily, daily tournaments the first through the eighth. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I probably would like to go up there and see a little bit of that main event as well. Uh, but they've worked really hard. They tried some uh, different things, as we know about uh, what they're calling game containment, and uh, kind of holding people off from switching tables and keeping the same dealers at the tables. They said that they have had no issues with the room and they haven't backed off of any of those procedures. So uh, they're happy with that. I know that there's, uh, there are no plexiglass screens in between the players there. They didn't feel and, like, and like the they needed it. the dealers aren't rotating there? Is that what I just heard you say, Dave? Well, the dealers are, uh, it's, they're limited to two, two dealers per table, as we talked about uh, a couple of months back. Well, I mean, he mentioned that on the show a few months ago when, you know, when yeah, supposedly he's up for that. He's kept it the same, supposedly. And the players are okay with that? Uh, as far as I said? know. As far as I know, yes. Wow, good for him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got a lot nicer people playing up there than we have down here. So <laughs> They're they still using a hand sanitizer as the dealer button. And uh, the things that they originally started, I don't. He, according to him, he hasn't made any uh, changes. Good for them, you know. I, I haven't been watching. I don't think they're. Uh, I wonder if they're on the Bravo system. I'll check for them, but uh, you know, I don't know how many tables they've been running on a daily basis up there. Because we do know that some of the rooms down here haven't reopened, and others aren't generating the same amount of business that they were prior to the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Poke and the Granu. Uh, as we were on the show last week, a week ago. Uh, last Tuesday, we talked about uh, that the match was very close. There had been some big swings of close to $200,000. But as we finished last week, there was a brief delay when there was a discussion about whether Polk was doing something illegal uh, by writing down some of the trends that he saw from Negreanu. Bill Perkins, who has a big bet on the match, uh, stuck his beak in there and uh, 
they actually had to have a uh, arbitrator in the form of Phil Galfon come in and make a decision. And Galfon said that uh, everything Polk was doing was completely within the rules. And uh, Negrano and Polk both seemed to be okay with that decision. So Polk was irritated that that Perkins had spoke up, calling him online a bunch of nitpicky shit, for the record. And uh, since then, Perkins has apologized to Polk, but he did stick his face in there. He probably has about a several hundred thousand dollar bet at ten to one odds, from what I hear. Well, that's obviously why he stuck his beak in there. But yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, that's that he should not have. To be honest with you, that should have been Daniel if there was an issue. Right. You know, exactly. The two players playing that his opponent is the one who's. Who is complaining? If his opponent doesn't complain, I just tell him, "Listen, shut up, Daniel isn't complaining. Let's play. Keep playing." Yeah, exactly. Well, we when we left off last week, it was a twenty-six thousand dollar lead for Polk, having played three thousand seven hundred ninety-nine hands. They got a little farther this week. They played on Monday and Wednesday, and then they played on Saturday. I don't. We don't have the results from Saturday, but uh, Polk added to his lead. Now they've now played over five thousand hands, and Polk is up two hundred sixty-four thousand. Okay, which is a number that he was up after the second session. Remember? Exactly, yeah, very 68. similar. Very similar. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Uh, well, but with five thousand hands hands in, they've agreed to play twenty five thousand if if they don't stop it after. Well, after twelve, 12 five, after right? twelve five, the whoever's losing the match can end it. Right. So, uh, you know, unless one of them is. And I don't know. I don't think their pride would make them end it if if one of them was taken or beaten. Yeah. Uh, you know, being great players uh, each. And I, I don't know. I don't see that. Uh, you know, unless it's their time consuming, it's too much time from other things out. I don't see them stopping that. Do you, Dave? No, and probably not. I I don't, I don't think they would be able to handle the ridicule that they would be subjecting themselves to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. So they played a big uh, session on Monday. Last Monday, they played uh, 842 hands. And then they came back and played about half of that, 416, on Wednesday. Now, I don't know what happened on Saturday because they took a couple days off for Thanksgiving and then they're getting back in it. But uh, uh, I think a lot of people expect uh, Polk to win. He's uh, was an online monster, head-to-heads up play for many years. And uh, Daniel is considered kind of a good guy for actually uh, taking him on in this whole thing. Well, we'll we'll find out how they both feel and start uh, come come the end of this thing. But uh, you know, very interesting. You know, again, uh, there's a lot of money being bet on Daniel. At what was it, four to one odds? Well, it was four to one a lot of places. There's uh, Perkins is saying he got ten to one. Yeah, and that's a direct bet with Polk, or no? Uh, I'm not sure exactly who that's with. All right, well, hey, I'll be honest with you. Like I mentioned before, a couple of weeks ago on the show, if I was going to put any money on this, I'd take the odds with Daniel. Yeah, yeah, that's so. that's really the only smart way to go, to be honest. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's uh, get you up to date on that, and obviously we'll be following this along into December and and on and probably on into January would be my guess, but. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. Uh, other news coming on is uh, from uh, Sheldon a- Adelson, who okay. is now 
reversed course and is pushing for casino gambling in Texas, which is uh, kind of interesting. He's still supposedly trying to uh, move the Sands properties out in Vegas that are on the strip, the Venetian and the Palazzo. And he's going to continue with his uh, most lucrative uh, stuff in, in Macau. But now, since there's a lot of talk in the, uh, in the, in the uh, Texas area about putting together a market, he wants to take advantage of that. So this guy's basically all about the money, I guess, is the fair way to say it. There you go. That, that is the way to say it, right there. That's all he cares about. Right. When, he, when he was diehard against uh, this, it was because he thought it would affect his business. And Yeah. Know. He's still he's still involved with a coalition to stop internet gambling, which is uh, he's been pushing for that for quite some time. He's also a big uh, donator to the Republican Party, and so he moved 4.5 million dollars supporting Republican candidates in Texas in that in the last election cycle. <laughs> How interesting! How interesting! And it's so, funny because, right. as you know, Texas has always been extremely anti-gambling they had people arrested in houston in uh, about a year and a half ago they were raided uh, some of their poker rooms uh, poker clubs they're called but, were raided but those clubs are thriving now they found some sort of loophole because i know people that are out there looking for work uh, i mean working out there not looking for work actually they're looking for dealers out there right so whatever whatever loophole <clears throat> they were able to find you know they've they they found it, and uh, you know supposedly the rooms are thriving out there, from what I understand, which yeah. is probably the reason that uh, you know Adelson wants to be out there. Yeah, I've heard that as well, but uh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. Anyway, they, that is happening, and so he continues to be in the news. He's now 87 years old, so I don't know how much longer he has to keep. Uh, being a thorn in our side, but uh, seems to be doing pretty well. God bless him, though, to be honest with you. 87 is still and still going crazy with uh, with his businesses, you know? Yeah, exactly. So he, he's definitely not going quietly into that good night, you know? So he's going to enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that people were talking about recently was that uh, Polk is – kind of uh, trolling some people online. He's trolling Perkins saying, well, why don't you uh, take me on head to head? He also was uh, talking to uh, uh, Dolly, uh, Doyle Brunson, who said, uh, hey, guns couldn't kill me. Cancer couldn't kill me. I've been a three-time cancer survivor, survived three car wrecks. And this corona, that can't touch me either. (laughs) <laughs> so he is uh he was talking and so there was some uh, online uh shuffle between these guys and they kind of came up with the idea to maybe play a uh eight game mix uh i don't know they could not not obviously play the kind of volume that uh that uh, polk is used to playing but uh there's a chance that that could happen so uh we'll see okay uh Let's see what happens. <laughs> this is such a crazy year, Dave. It is. And we started the show with, with, with rules for the crazy uh, tournament that they're having with the WSOP. So let's see what happens. 
I also uh, wanted to mention that there's a movie out right now called, or a TV show called The Queen's Gambit. Have you seen that? No, I have not. That has to do with chess. And a lot of people are saying it would be perfect if they could have a, a movie about something similar, or a TV show, something similar uh, regarding poker and, uh, you know, come up with some uh, characters, maybe not actually use big name players, but like a combination of personalities to uh, celebrate the game of poker. I think that would be great as well. Yeah, if you get the characters interested enough, and are you talking like a regular, you know, show show or something where well, like people a, are like, playing for actual cash and stuff? Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what they want well, to do, but it would, it would well, it would be a scripted show. So uh, we have enough reality shows of real poker. So this would be more of a uh, creative effort to... Uh, to fictionalize the game a little bit. Which is nice, you know, that's what movies do, but I don't know about you, Big Dave, you know, I'm in the poker business, uh, I've loved playing poker most of my, all of my adult life, and I started playing poker when I was very, very young. Um, I don't know, Does, is this something you think would interest you? I think it would. Watching uh, a show on poker that you know is not live, I mean... Well, from people uh, I've talked that, to that watch this Queen's Gambit program, they said it's very interesting, even though they didn't really know that much about chess. But it showed, it was so well done that it shows how this female character learns how to play chess from an early age in the basement of an orphanage. And then as she grows up, she learns more about the game, and they cover all of that. Uh, you know, she reads strategy books and discusses particular situations with other players, similar to how people learn how to play poker. So, okay, well, uh, you know, that to me sounds like an interesting piece about the young lady's life and and the tool that measures that and what she does uses is chess, which for me, who I don't play chess, would be something that I probably would find interesting just because, you know, she's uh, learned learned how to play a game and, and supposedly dominated it, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's, that, that that's would the idea. They had that some comments. Jen Shahada, who is a very good poker player and a, a chess champion, they did an interview with her, and she talked about a lot of the uh, aspects of the show. But I guess it's a very appealing show, and uh, since it's created so much interest on chess, I would think that uh, something with poker, somebody could get behind that. You know, obviously we have a lot of, you know, show business people, uh, Randall Emmett and, uh, you know, Kevin... Uh, I forget the the actor's name that that plays in a lot of these big events, and of course uh, Ray Romano and and Brad Garrett and people like that. So they have the con the uh, contacts in the business where they could actually put something together. But uh, you know, I just thought I would I found that to be an interesting uh, idea. And uh, basically, there's a book out now that we've talked about on the show by Maria Konnikova. She was the one that actually took a year off from her job to learn how to play poker. Was taught by Eric Seidel. And her book is called The Biggest Bluff, and they said that could be used as a basis for this show. Well, that sounds interesting. That definitely sounds very interesting. So, um, I don't know. I, 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 you need some really great writers to be able to uh, to get that off, you know. But uh, I hate to comment on that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. It would have to be a show that's it's a show that happens to have poker in it but that poker isn't the mainline thing for it because i don't think poker on its own would 
would stand up to a show like that. You'd have to be interested in the characters, and and because of them, you'd be interested in the poker, in the poker that they're playing. Yeah, that's exactly. part of the plot line. So, well, so. we're we're coming up with all these challenge matches and head to head. I think a lot of people are just looking forward to getting back to some major tournaments, and that's why it's great to hear about. Uh, you know, big tournament like uh, a Lucky Hearts Poker Open coming back in January with the WPT. Yeah, well, listen, and, and like you said, uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club uh, with uh, the card player uh, tournament, that would be wonderful because those are more along the, uh, you know, the regular players' uh, uh, wallet sizes, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. stuff that they can afford, So, and which is what the WSOP circuit event does too down here. Yeah. Um, so, I'm happy to hear that they're going to bring it back to uh, over there to Palm Beach because they've always, you know, been first class running these tournaments. Yeah, exactly. Uh, looks like they're going to have some sort of online event with the WPT in December, uh, but the uh, Lucky Hearts will be their first venture back into live play. Uh, they haven't had a play, hadn't had w any WPT play since March when they played at uh, Rolling Thunder in California. So. Uh, you know, it's been a while since uh, we've seen Matt Savage out and around the country, and uh, you know, certainly would be fun to to get back to that as well. Oh, and I just remembered the name of Ke Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock, that was it. That was it. <laughs> just, I was trying to find it, and it just came to me. So, Kevin Pollock, there we go. Yeah. By the way, that uh, that WPT online poker event will be held December twenty seventh through the twenty ninth on Party Poker. Uh, for players that are in New Jersey. So uh, I don't know how you call it a world main event, but uh, hey, you know, I guess we can call anything <laughs> anything at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. So. Okay, let's take a break on the show. Uh, Big Dave and Joe will come up with a few other things to talk about here on the program. When we return, of course, you can always pick up the show on uh, the Hold'em Radio Network. You can go to the Poker Fuse podcast page. You can get it anywhere that you hear podcasts, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. And uh, we'd love to have you listen to the show, rate it, subscribe to it, maybe uh, forward some of the shows that you like to your friends. And then, of course, you can always uh, contact us on uh, LemonDave at Yahoo.com is a good place to reach me if you have some ideas about the show. And uh, we'd love to have you uh, tap in on that. Anyway, let's take a break here. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Big Dave and Joe will be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. 
You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> you don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. sound a little bit different uh we hope you'll understand and uh not uh not judge us too harshly on that but we are looking forward <laughs> to uh the winner coming in uh one other tournament i wanted to mention was a big tournament over in tampa they're slowly getting bigger at the seminole hard rock in tampa and they have a huge tournament with three hundred fifty thousand in guaranteed prize pools over the course of that tournament which is december the 2nd through the 13th. So uh, that's Seminole Hard Rock Tampa. Very interesting stuff there. Um, I was looking at an article that I found. It's actually from some time back, and it was talking about handling the ups and downs of low-stakes poker. Uh, You know, if you play on the free sites or something, obviously you're just trying to get better. Um, Joe, you played in the past on, on different sites where buy-ins were as low as under a dollar you know and uh, and i think just playing on those is not really the idea of making a load of money but having fun and learning what were your thoughts uh when you several years ago got into some of that well i did play a whole lot of that um they used to run on um i don't know if it was party poker or um poker stars okay but it was it was 180 sit and go, and as soon as you got to the 180, and I believe it was five dollar buy-in, but you could win as much as a you know. <laughs> I think first place was um, five hundred and forty dollars or or four hundred and forty. I can't remember the exact amount, but it was a challenge, and they paid the top ten percent, so you had to make it to the final two tables, you know, to make <clears throat> excuse me to make any kind of money. So obviously it's a very hard way if, if you know if you're talking about trying to make a living or grind out and you know earnings, but it was a lot of fun, Dave. It's a yeah, lot, I can, a lot I, of fun. I can imagine that. So I enjoyed the ups and downs. Uh, it had the same feel as any of any big tournaments and you know that I've entered for what I consider to be big um, because of the amount of people and like you said, they had other tournaments that were three dollars that buy-in would go until X amount of time, and, uh, you know, you'd have sometimes thousands of players playing in them, so it was a lot of fun. I don't, you know, what was this gentleman talking about? What what was his article going with this? Well, he talks about a few things that you need to do, and obviously the studying, whether it's uh, books or articles or getting involved with a training site or just checking out the 2 plus 2 forum. Uh, maybe even getting involved with some tracking programs. He said that that made him one of the best players in the game at the low levels. 
He said it gave him confidence. He had an edge over everybody. And uh, he basically just worked really hard at uh, improving his skill level. Well, I'll be honest with you. I worked very hard because at that time, uh, I don't want to use the word addicted to playing, but, you know, there were some days that especially uh, once I was, you know, left the casino business back in 2013, not by my choosing, <laughs> that I played a lot online. and I couldn't believe that I'd be spending 12, 13, 14 hours playing, and I'd go from entering one tournament into another. And my mindset was was I'd get real frustrated if I went deep and I made a stupid mistake. So being that I was able to just jump into another tournament almost instantly at that time because of the amount of players online, definitely sharpened my game because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to experience that. So I worked very hard and read up on a lot more things and try to hone my game. And, you know, I, I actually became pretty successful at that. So that's when, that's when playing poker was a lot, a lot of fun to me. He said one of the major keys for him was actually uh, scouting the games, keeping track of certain players, and uh, trying to find much weaker opponents. He said that uh, he had some crazy win rates uh, that wouldn't be possible in middle stakes or high games because uh, most of the players there are more competent and make fewer mistakes. But he said, you know, you can find a game here and there. You can find a relatively high limit that might be an easy game. He said sometimes you run into a tough game at low limits. But uh, he said... Now, was he talking about live games? No, mostly mostly online, mostly. Online, mostly. No, but cash online or tournament online? Cash. Cash. Well, yeah, that's a different different animal than, than tournaments. I'm sorry if you were talking about tournaments before. No, this is mostly cash games. Well, yeah, and, and it works out to, you know, what the advice he's giving you there is like when you were playing in private games where it'd be the same group of, usually the pool of people would be anywhere from 15 to 30 people, and you're going to wind up consistently playing with that group of people. And, you know, yeah, you're adding a person here or there, and it's a matter of, you know, watching the tendencies. And online it was the same thing, depending on the style that you played when I was, was playing cash. It, yeah, you would. I would constantly be making notes. Uh, you've played online, Dave. So, on the site, every site that I've been on, you can make a note on uh, on, on players right, right then and there. Exactly, exactly. And and something that you wrote in there, you know, I would you know the when that player would jump into your table, you'd see that you had a note on that person just in case it had been a while since you played with them, and you know just click on the notes there and see what you wrote on that particular person, you know, whether they're how super aggressive, uh, you know, only plays the nuts, whatever, whatever it was that your observation was of that player, you've got it right there at your fingertips and you know who they are. So you don't actually have to remember their names because, the, you know, once, once you click that note thing, a little, little symbol goes on them so that you know you've made a note. Right, exactly. Uh, he, so he talks about increasing your skill, obviously, and your experience is really a big uh, key. But he said at the end of the day, you know, this is a game that's played by people against other people. And if you don't have a big edge over at least some of your competition, that there's no way you're going to achieve a big win rate. <laughs> I agree. And, uh, Dave, one of the big things when you play at that level, especially online, 
depending on how much you like to comment and everything. You know, you you could create a little bit of a of a, of a rivalry that that happens when you play, you know, on the brick and mortar. So to where that person gets, you know, it's, it get you get them off their game because all they're thinking about is beating you. So you're getting them to play a lot more hands just because they want to put a beat on you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the final thing he mentions is he said, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs. He said things kind of even out in the end, but you really can't, uh, you know, let it frustrate you. Um, he said, uh, you know, if, if you start letting it affect your outlook on the game or how much you play or or your decisions in the game, he said, uh, if, you, if you do that, you're going to have a big problem. But you need to be laid back. Uh, let the math sort itself out. He said, you don't have control over your own variance, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just need to get away from the game for a few days and, and, and come back when you feel a little bit better about it. Dave, as I'm hearing you mention what this gentleman wrote, you know, I remember my father telling me, you know, when I, when I try to tell him something about a situation in life and, you know, he just smile after, and I go, "Why are you smiling?" He goes, "Because you're making this sound like this is a, like this is a new discovery." And he goes, "There's nothing new under the sun." And, <laughs> but we're, and what we're hearing here, what we're hearing here is, uh, you know, tilt stories. You know, if you go back and listen to all our shows, I guarantee you, we've addressed this, you know, many years ago. Uh, you know, which seems to be a standard for playing poker. You know, if if you're on tilt, you're running bad. You know, you've been taken off your game. We've had some great guests on the show say, hey, maybe maybe take a week or two or a month off and just get, a, you know, step away from from the game. And uh, I believe that's what this man's trying to tell you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I think so. Uh, I'm hearing this and I'm going, wait a minute, I've heard this just addressed a little differently but it's it's the same uh, the same concept and and I'll be honest with you I don't know if there's anything new that anybody can say that you know the top stars couldn't have told you from 20 30 years ago you know the the only difference right now as far as how to control your game and everything is that you you know there's a lot more people in it so I'd like to know uh, how do you overcome large fields and tournaments and cash games and live games you know what he mentioned there is stuff I've been reading about for many many years in card player and in a lot of other publications, poker publications. So it's great advice. It's yeah, for advice, sure. But, this fellow's know. name, by the way, is Nathan Williams, and I had not really read any of his stuff before. He plays under the name Black Rain Seventy Nine, uh, but he also wrote a story that I was reading today about how to read other poker players. He said uh, players give off subtle poker tells. Uh, that many people fail to notice. He says that, uh, you know, you got to follow these signs, and he lists seven ways to get better reads on opponents. So I'd like to run down those real quick. Go ahead, uh, sir. The first one is, is table count, he says. And he said in online poker rooms, there's a search a player feature. So you can actually search players and try to find out and uh, and play with them, whether they're recreational players or that sort of thing. So, And I guess by the same token, you can avoid players that are at certain tables when you've made your notes on them. So you can actually uh, use some of these things to search on the site. Uh, that's great advice because, yeah, there were certain players that I 
really enjoyed playing against and others that I didn't, you know, um, whether it was a mental thing on my part, you know, um, you know, you psych yourself out, Big Dave. Uh, <laughs> there, there are players that for some reason you've got their number and, and, and on the other side, there are other players that have yours. So that's yeah, he part says, of taking the notes down on, on the internet, you know? Absolutely. He said, if you have those players that do have your number, he said, there's actually on a lot of sites, he does said it depends where you play, but you can, you can find a way to block some of those players from uh, finding you. He said, don't let other players find you. Well, and you know, that, that is very interesting because there was a point, um, many years ago that I was playing and out of, out of the blue, somebody joined the game that I was consistently playing in. And I don't want to say had my number completely, but would put on, put me on some really, you know, really bad beats. And I had never seen him. I said, Oh, he got, you know, he got lucky. He got lucky. And for about a month time, I couldn't get into a game within five minutes. This guy was on the table if there was a seat open. Really? Yeah, and I kept saying, "Well, I, you know, it's obvious if you're smart enough, you just say, holy, you know, holy shit, I just got in this game, and you know, as soon as one person left, they would probably get on the waiting list for that game, and you know, so, so he, so he's stalking you. Oh, absolutely, he was stalking me. Absolutely. Now, I didn't go looking for somebody, but you know, purposely, but I, I guess on my sense, I was doing this, but I mean, I'm telling you, this guy did it as soon as I get on the table, you know, if their seat became available within five minutes, he was on that table. Mm. Now, there were certain players because, you know, according to this article, I was playing the same limits consistently. I was doing well for the most part. And depending on the site, you know, those limits, the same amount of the same people generally play in those games, you know, online, you know, like I was mentioning 15 to 30 people would play on certain private games. Well, online, the number's a little bit bigger, but you've got five, six, seven tables running. Right. May not be a seat open, may not be a seat open. So you're going to each table. And as you're going to those tables, you see the players that are playing there. And, you know, there were certain players that I knew were very bad players. I had made notes on them. Uh, they they were literally the reason they were giving money away. They were just they were playing for the sake of playing. Obviously, right. I don't believe the money meant anything to them. Right. But you know you had a chance to make some money. So if they were on a table that was full, I'd always try to join that waiting list. But you know I didn't log on to look exactly for these people. I, if I found the seat open on a game, I clicked on I clicked on that table and clicked on the seat put my dollar amount in and boom, enter the game. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to play. But so it wasn't, the, it really wasn't science for you. It's just kind of, you know, you did no, want to have but somewhat now, of an But advantage. now the way I took, the, well, I don't want to say advantage of it for me being that I didn't want to, it's not that I didn't want to stalk anybody. I just wanted to play. You understand? Now I didn't know that certain players were very, you know, like that I was, had their numbers when I would see them. When I would see them, I you know I'd want to enter their their table, but I didn't put I didn't keep their name, you know, like saying oh let me see where this person is and I and if that was available back then I had no clue how to track somebody, but somebody was definitely tracking me. So yeah, 
Well, another thing he says is that a lot of these games have an auto rebuy feature that uh, regular players will use uh, and buy in for the maximum amount, whether it's uh, 100 big blinds or whatever it is. Uh, he said, and recreational players usually are not properly bankrolled and will just buy in for some random amount less than the maximum. So he says, always uh, buy for the max. Uh, and if you don't want to give away your lack of experience, then uh, that's the way you avoid it is by buying for the maximum. Well, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> as far as I was concerned, I bought it for what I was comfortable with. So, you know, uh, I I never really looked at it as this is how I was going to make my living. I was enjoying the extra income. Um, so, you know, that, sound, that sounds like a plan. Definitely yeah. sounds like a plan you'd want to consider. Um, so... I, I don't know what comment to make on that, to be honest yeah. with you, Dave. If that's what, you know, if that's what, I know that, uh, you know, that you're supposed to have X amount of big blinds if you want to make this a career and how much, you know, you should be buying in for. So I would imagine he's using that same formula. Yeah, exactly. Another one is post-flop bet sizing, he says. He says that good regular players will rarely bet less than half the pot after the flop. Uh, and that weaker players will frequently bet much less, sometimes even just making the minimum bet, he said, which uh, shows a uh, lack of understanding of the math of the game. And so he said, uh, learn how to bet. The size of your post-flop bets are important. Bet too little, and it will be obvious to everyone. Yeah, well, either bet too little, and that's actually tremendous advice. That is, you know, tremendous, tremendous advice because – those are mistakes novices really make, you know, newbies to the game. And, you know, it's part of the educational process, Dave. You right. Know, uh, you're going to say, well, you know, how do they know when do they, you know, how come everybody knows when I got a good hand and they fold and, you know, raise me when I'm, when I'm trying to bluff a hand? Well, that's one of the patterns that, like he said in, in his article there and the comments he made is, you know, hey, <laughs> you're letting people know that, that you're not an experienced player. Yeah, exactly. Okay, another one for him is posting a blind when you're out of position. Uh, he said, make sure you're patient. Don't post the blinds until you have to. He said, paying the blinds uh, to play a hand as soon as you sit at the table is downright stupid. It is because, you know, you're putting money in without having seen your cards and more than likely out of position. Right. So, but again, you know, these. I love hearing these things that – when people are in the casino, Dave, they're there to play poker and have fun. You know, this, this, these comments that uh, these you know experts put up for these things are 100% correct, but the recreational player really doesn't care about that. You know, they're, they just want to come in and get in the action right away. Yeah. And to me, as a player, I want to see a player, you know, you know who they are. They're, they're you at least down here in South Florida. They're 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 talking a lot of smack. Uh, most of them before they even sit yeah, down. Exactly. So exactly. Another one is chat box tells. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. He said you don't use it very much, and and this guy says he hardly does either. He says, you know, it can be distracting. Might expose you to some uh, unpleasant comments. He said, but there is some merit to switching it on from time to time to get a quick read on your opponents which I thought was very interesting. He said uh, recreational players 
will make use of it and will uh, vent about their bad luck. So he says, use the chat as bait. Drop a couple of messages. See which players try to start a conversation. They're going to be your next victims. <laughs> and I know what he's talking about now. When I the last, you know, I haven't played a lot in the last few months, but when that chat, you know, was on, you hear that the, we've talked about table captains. Now, in this particular case, they don't have to do anything with the dealer because the, the computer's doing it for you. But they're making comments on how well they play the hand only to lose it. So, you know, any smart player will say, okay, so this guy plays ABC poker, Dave. Yeah. So if, if, if he's not sitting with the stone-cold nuts on a particular hand that you've gone, that you were trying to catch something, if you structure your bet in a certain way, probably eight out of ten times you're going to get him to fold a better hand, you know, only because he says, well, this guy can't possibly be bluffing me because he, he wants to play ABC poker and hasn't, you know, hasn't entertained the thought of, of changing up his style of play. And you're going to pick this up online by, by the way they chat. And they do this in live play, too. People tell you, well, you know, I three-bet perfectly, you know, and this, that, and the other. and They, they want to impress you with their knowledge of the game. So right. that, that's a great that's a great. That, that that's great advice for anybody listening out there. Okay, next one is to uh, be aware of passive play, and what he means by that is players that call a lot pre-flop and post-flop, and then fold without going to a showdown. Those are wonderful for the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as a player against those people. Now, the one big thing is there is like you know uh, a calling station. You know, never never bluff a calling station. We've said. We've, we've had a lot of stars, you know, a lot of great players say that, and that's the truth. And with some of these people, you know, you're, make the raise because more than likely they will put the money in there. And if they continue past the flop, you know, they hit something pretty strong more than likely. So, you, you know, it's like reading a book and knowing what the ending's going to be. Right, exactly. So he says, uh, remain aggressive, you know, three and four bets. Uh, you know, after the flop, uh, those are the those are the more experienced players. Uh, finally, the last one is timing tells. Uh, he says the best regulars they'll try to master tells by taking a similar amount of time for their actions, whether they are betting for value or bluffing. Uh, you mentioned this last week about uh, Jerry Yang and how he counted to a certain number to uh, before he made a play, but he said you know it's obvious some of these rec- recreational players make snap decisions, giving away the strength of their hand. Yeah, you know, again, that is very, uh, you know, that is something that you got to be, you know, paying a lot of attention to, um, and people do give that away. You know, the the longer you play in that particular, you know, games, new new people are going to do that, and the advantage that the new people have today is that there's a lot more information out there than when you and I were learning this game, Dave. Right, so right. This gentleman is now giving you more of that advice, so that's that's. Very good, very good advice right there. Okay. Uh, so those timing tells, obviously, he said, uh, you know, when someone calls at the speed of sound on the flop, he says, this tells me a player took zero time to think about other options such as raising or folding. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to look at, obviously. Yep. It just kind of gives you an indication of the type of, you know, where this player usually is at, you know, in his career, you know, and his knowledge of the game. And, um, 
you know, you have similar tells on brick and mortar, and it's, it's you know, the, the game is about, you know, knowing position playing, some experience, uh, paying attention. Yeah. All, the, all these things that he's mentioning to you there is paying attention. Exactly. And, uh, you know. And he said they're he said he said they're not a hundred percent foolproof, but uh, you know certainly uh, it takes experience in this regard too to learn some of these things and just become natural at uh, learning something of the way the players play online. Well, Dave, this is also you know I remember when we had Sherry um, on the show. Yeah, Sherry Bykovsky. Uh, Bykovsky, and you know. You have to learn from your mistakes, and you know, her stuff was very, you know, great advice. Like I told you, I enjoyed the heck out of her book, and uh, I think that she says there, you know, you have to learn these things, and it's great to get this advice. But I would imagine that ninety-five, if not a higher percentage of brand new poker players, are going to read. They're going to do this. Natural instinct takes over. You you make some. Bad laydowns, bad calls, and you eventually—if this is something that you want to do to earn money at it, or you know, go higher limits—it's just a matter of education and constantly read, reading and and getting an education on this particular thing, just so that you know, when these situations happen later on, you can recognize them and and know what moves now to make, you know, for you to your advantage so yeah absolutely uh finally uh let's just going back to uh, polk versus the a couple of tweets today so i they obviously did play today and i guess uh real kid poker had some had a big day uh but only won about twenty thousand today i said he ramped up his aggression started working uh, over bets into the match and uh if it wasn't for some uh, unlucky uh big pots a couple of them he could have had a, had a much bigger day and then uh, Negranu uh, got online and answered, saying, uh, he said, a win is a win, but this freaking guy is world-class at folding preflop when I have aces. I have video, <laughs> he says, I have video evidence. We're now exactly 10 straight times where he has either open-folded, folded a big blind, or folded to a three-bet. Four times, in fact, in today's session. So, makes you wonder sometimes. <clears throat> well... <laughs> Makes you what? What's Daniel saying there? <laughs> yeah, I know. So. Well, you know that people are going to make excuses for uh, not winning, no matter what it is. But uh, anyway, they'll be back at it. We'll keep uh, we'll keep an eye on what these what the uh, difference is. And last we had was poke up a big bit, but obviously a win today, and made it a little bit smaller. But we'll keep an eye on it. Also, next week we'll uh, have a better idea of who's uh, winning the. European side of this World Series of Poker hybrid main event, and we'll be getting ready to get into action on the American side on WSOP.com. Joe, thanks for all your help today. We appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you this week when I'm down at uh, Miami and checking out uh, you in action in the room. I know you got a lot of big plans down there, and uh, congratulations for getting that job again, and uh, good luck with everything you do there. Thank you, Big Dave. I appreciate it, brother. And all the best to our uh, producer, Joe Costello. We appreciate it as well. And uh, we'll be talking with you soon as well. So uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Again, pick us up on SoundCloud, a good place to get the show. Tweet it out to your friends. And uh, we'll continue to uh, bring you this show every week. We'll work on some guests in the future. 
And uh, great to hear that the uh, WPT coming back to South Florida with the Lucky Hearts Poker Open in January. Also uh, Seminole Hard Rock, Tampa Hard Rock with tournaments coming up. And then finally the Card Player Tour, as I mentioned earlier, joining uh, with the uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club. So some big live tournaments. Hopefully the situation in Florida doesn't get any worse with COVID. And we'll look forward to uh, covering some of these events for you. We do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for being here. We'll catch you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 